Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 87. We have a doozy for you today. I'm really excited to bring uh, our guest, Sheree Alexander, uh, to the audience. She has um, a really unique thing that she's doing uh, in her line of work that I think is something that's going to be relevant to uh, our audience today. And there's a lot of knowledge that she brings through some of the uh, blog posts that I've seen her put out there and some of the content that she's creating. Uh, She's really out there hustling, doing some amazing things. And so I'm going to read a little bio about her and then I want her to kind of talk a little bit about herself because I don't know that I can even scratch the surface on all the things that she has going on. But Cherie is a persuasiveness coach known for bringing the dark arts of influence into the light. She has built her career as a speaker, writer, trainer, and coach by revealing powerful secrets behind conversational influence. She has personally learned the best persuasive triggers and techniques for master influencers, including CIA field agents, hostage negotiators, con artists, Mint officers, interrogators, trial attorneys, mentalists, undercover law enforcement, and even pickup artists. Her mission is to put these powerful skills in the hands of entrepreneurs and leaders so they can effectively be a positive influence in their businesses and lives. Cherie, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience. And if you don't mind, fill in some of those gaps and let everybody know a little bit about yourself. Hello, audience. Thanks for having me here. Uh, Yeah, basically, as you said, I am trying to remove the stigma that people have around the concept of being influential because people often conflate that with the notion of being manipulative. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's a real shame because that holds back a lot of people from learning conversational techniques or presentation techniques that make their ideas more compelling and therefore enhances their own personal brand, helps them with their career, helps them get paid more. All of it boils down to how skillful are you in communication? And uh, there's a certain fear that people have around the notion of influence that I'm on a mission to remove and then educate people. So that way, those individuals who want to create a positive impact on the world have the tools to be able to do so. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by this because um, especially when I was kind of learning a little bit about what you do, uh, you were kind of interchanging words in terms of influence Mm -hmm. and uh, leadership, uh, kind of in this, in the same thing. And I feel like they're separate, but I feel like you're kind of merging the two together uh, well, I a think little bit. The, the two that I merge together is influence and persuasion. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the two that are uh, aligned. Now a leader needs to be influential. A leader needs to be persuasive or else they're not leading anybody. They're just talking to the air. So uh, where most people make the mistake is feeling that influence also means manipulation or that influence or persuasion also means uh, coercion. And that's a very, there's a strong, distinct difference. Um, So coercion is on the the worst side of the scale. Coercion is when you are putting somebody else under uh, psychological, emotional uh, threat of some sort that you'll say, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill your family. That's coercion. Torture is coercion. So obviously putting the person that you want to influence or my shorthand way of saying the person you want to influence is your mark. Um, So putting your mark under threat is coercion. Then slightly better, but still not great is manipulation. And manipulation is You are still trying to reach an end goal, but you do not care if your mark is in a worse place by the end of it, that financially they are harmed, emotionally they're harmed, even physically, uh, psychologically, any of those things. You don't care if they are worse than by the end. Now into the, uh, the light of all of that is influence and persuasion. 
technically those are neutral terms. You can be negatively influential. You can be negatively persuasive. However, those are the only two terms available to us that are definitely not just negative. So you can also be positively influential. You cannot be positively coercive. That is, you know, those mm -hmm. cancel each other out. Um, so that's, those are, that's why I use those two influence and persuasion, trying to put more of the positive impact and potential behind that skill set. Well, I like how you're using these kind of, um, they're not dangerous words. They're, they're, they're kind of risque words because when people, <laughs> when people hear those and they read that, they're like, Oh man, I don't know if I really want to engage in this conversation because, you know, as you're approaching it, you're like, well, if she's a master at this, then I'm going to, I'm going to get kind of spun around in this conversation and not necessarily know what to do with myself. See, but, that's the thing. Okay, go ahead. You first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, so it's, so it's intriguing. So you're, you're bringing people in, but you're potentially repelling people at the same time because they're like, Ooh, like this, I'm, they're going to, they're going to mess with my head a little bit. So I got to be on my game and I got to really know what I'm talking about. On the other I, side of that, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like that's a good thing because really you should always be prepared to be mentally challenged, uh, for what you're, uh, what you're going to talk about. And what I've learned over time is it is very possible, very rare, but very possible that my mindset or my opinions or whatever else could be wrong. And I need to have somebody who is willing to challenge those thoughts uh, and can speak articulately about those things. And then that might actually create an opportunity for in a learning situation that I walk away knowing less about what I think I know. But that's a good thing because I've expanded my mind to see that I know a lot. But I, I realized that I don't know enough because there's so much more. And so in, in return, I've actually learned more. Does that make sense? It, it does. And there's layers to what you just said. So first of all, the uh, basically what you just described is communication. And communication is a vital skill set that we take for granted. And it makes sense that we take it for granted because we've been doing it quite literally before we could talk we were communicating to our parents before we could speak. Any parent knows the fake cry that a baby will learn that, oh, if I cry, she comes into the room. If I cry, he'll feed me, even though I may not, you know, I don't necessarily need anything. I just want you here. So I'm going to cry to make you think I, I need, you know, food or a changed diaper. We've been communicating so early on. So it makes sense that we take that skill set for granted. Um, but that is such a shame because I truly believe, and this is my ultimate soapbox to stand on, that the world's problems can be solved with more effective communication. Because communication ultimately means that you are listening, you are able to see things from multiple angles, you are able to make connections that other people miss, you're able to articulate ideas, you're able to educate, you're able to inspire, motivate, all of these things. Um, you know, especially in the influential world, one thing that we love to talk about is one of the most influential people, whether we like it or not, in our history was Adolf Hitler. So mm -hmm. if we can say, like, that man's ability to communicate, infuriate, inspire just by his presence and words and then making things happen based off of those ideas, why do we not believe that that exact same power exists in the positive realm? Yes, is a little bit more tricky because our survival brain is wired to be fear motivated than positive motivated. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's not possible. It absolutely is. So, and I think kind of what you touched on as well is that fear of learning this. And that's what I'm trying to remove that stigma around because you know the people who don't have a fear of being influential or manipulative? Narcissists psychopaths, people who are perfectly fine doing harm to you and conning you out of, you know, your money, out of a relationship, out of anything that is possibly beneficial to you. Those people never ask the question, ooh, is this morally wrong? And yet the moral people like you and I and, and your listeners who want to accomplish things, who want to bring people together, who want to make amazing ideas come to reality, are holding themselves back and choosing to be ignorant of influence for fear of being manipulative, which means that we are just giving more power 
to the manipulative people by choosing mm -hmm. to be ignorant. And um, so hopefully, you know, me standing on that soapbox removes any hesitation your listeners might have to listening to the rest of this interview. <laughs> well, I, I almost wonder if like the, the ones that are hesitant that we maybe uh, incorporate the word motivation into this, because I think that when you're yeah. talking about being persuasive and you're talking about influence, if, if it's on the positive side, then there is a motivational side to it. And then you, know, you go into a whole, whole nother uh, bucket of, of words in terms of like motivational and inspirational and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. So they all kind of fall in the same line. So that's definitely the positive side of it. And, I, and I'm and definitely intrigued in that because like you said, this is a tool that I think a lot of people maybe dance around and like, well, I don't want to, mm -hmm. I don't want to manipulate somebody to the point where they're doing something that they don't necessarily want to do. And I think you really keyed into an important point um, before you started uh, talking about uh, Hitler's communication skills, which was listening and how listening is actually a part of communication. And I think sometimes when you think of communication, you think along the lines of the person doing the communicating, which would be the words that are coming out, the actions that I'm doing with my, my body language or whatever else. But a conversation is a two-sided thing. And so I think it's equally important to really uh, talk about the role that listening plays in persuasion, influence, and motivation. So I will expand those parameters that not just conversation is a two-sided act. So is marketing. So is presenting. The difference is that it is not a simultaneous action. Meaning in a conversation simultaneously, you're listening back and forth and adjusting in that moment which is one of the reasons why I interviewed people like CIA field operatives and hostage negotiators, because those are the people who have to be influential in the highest stressful situations, quite literally life and death. Somebody or somebody that they love could die based off of how well they're able to communicate an idea or inspire action. So thankfully people like you and I are just playing in the minor leagues of trying to do more business and make more revenue. So uh, and yet it, the, all the skill set is the exact same thing. The tools never change. It's just how you use them. So um, when you are giving a presentation, you're just listening at the front end of creating your presentation. You should be asking, who is my audience? What do they need to know? What are their current beliefs? What new beliefs do I want to instill in them? And by the way, please re-listen to this podcast because I'm going to ramble these off and all of this is gold. <laughs> um what do I want them to think, feel, or do differently by the end of this presentation? You are listening on the front end of this presentation. Same with your marketing. You're asking the exact same questions in order to fill in the gaps of what you need to say. Um, you absolutely hit on it that people make the leap and make, people make the assumption that influence is the answer to what should I say? They think that influence is the words that you say in the particular moment or the body language of a particular moment. That is the tip of the iceberg. That is, dare I say, possibly 10% or less of the influential process. You use the term listen. I use the term observe. 80% of the influencer's job is to observe. Rather than your first question being, what should I say? which is a horrible starting point because then your brain goes inward and is asking and is basing what you sh should say off of your beliefs, your experiences, you know, you, and you are not influencing you. You are influencing a different human being with different experiences, different beliefs, different uh, uh, connotations, all just the amalgamation of who that person is. And so the question we need to ask to get us into observation mode is what do I need to know? What do I need to know about this person? And again, this is your note-taking session of the podcast. What beliefs do they currently have that I need to change? What, how do they currently perceive me? How do I want to change their perception of me by the end of this? Um, what, how do they perceive the current problem? Do they think it's a big problem or not? Um, how do they perceive their role in the problem? Answering these types of questions, whether through conversation or some 
you know, brainstorming ahead of time, that those answers are what will dictate the angles in which you take when presenting your influential idea. So there was a lot there. So I'll there stop. There was and- a lot there. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I love how you uh, have kind of taken the word listen and, and, and morphed it into observe because you're right. That is really just uh, creating a foundation for your conversation because mm-hmm. I, I've made the statement in the past. I can't have a logical conversation with an illogical person. And it's because I'm coming from a separate point of view than they are. And so until we can get onto some place where we can have to uh, some level of shared agreement, it's really going to be hard for us to, um, to go anywhere in that conversation. So it's really important, like you said, to consider that audience, consider their, where they're coming from and everything else. And <clears throat> from a marketing standpoint, I think sometimes we get hung up in listeners, impressions, in uh, target market numbers, and we forget that it's people that we're trying to get our message in front of. And so mm-hmm. we, we, we start chasing all these different things, and then we remove the human element out of it, and it becomes a lecture instead of a conversation. And like you said, if it's, if it's that, that two-sided conversation where we're actually communicating, we're communicating a marketing message, we have to recognize that that audience is a person. Every single listener that listens to this podcast when it when I see statistics, I see listens. I see how I see a number, and so sometimes it's it's easy to get caught up in like, oh man, uh, I only had X amount of listens to this podcast. But then on the other side of it, I'm like, that is that that is a hundred people. That's ten thousand people. That's a thousand people. Whatever the number is, those are actual people that have taken time out of their schedule to listen to the content that we're putting out there. And I think that changes the mindset of how you're presenting things. It changes uh, the um, the impression that you're trying to do with maybe an online ad or what you're trying to do with a radio ad or whatever it may be, whatever you're trying to sell, whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to communicate. It's a person to person interaction. They're not, they, they are not something that you can just swap out for this target market, right? Uh, they may have shared experiences and shared things that they like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you forget the human element of that. So I, I, I really want to stress that to the audience uh, and kind of reiterate some of the things that you're saying there because it's so important to remember that. When you're talking about what you need to know and you're talking about some of these like extreme situations with you know CIA operatives or or you're talking to um, hostage negotiators. So these are like extreme life and death, death situations. But there's some probably some universal truths that are coming out of those conversations that are also true in the regular conversations we have as leaders or as communicators or whatever else. So what what would you say that are some of the surprising things that you notice the patterns between that connect those two types of situations? Yeah, I mean, that's basically the basis of everything that I teach, whether it's in my speeches or in my blog posts that you've read or uh, coaching. And it is all of those universal truths, because in all honesty, when I started this research, I thought, okay, I'll learn a technique over here from this person, and then I'll learn some sort of technique over here. And then I'll take all these techniques put together and like try to figure out some sort of system that the normal person can follow. Well, my job was so much easier than I anticipated because they all do the exact same things. They give them different labels. There's different code names and nicknames for things, but at their basis, it's all the same, which makes sense because your target, your the tool you are attempting to work with is human psychology. Human psychology hasn't changed in quite a few millennia. So why would we think that there's all of these different hidden, you know, aspects? The I talk about bringing the dark arts of influence into the light, not because it's been hidden, it's because people have been averting their eyes. So one thing that I love, and I'm going to botch this quote, but um, I, I'm a huge fan of Penn and Teller, and I love magic in general. And there's this quote in magic that magicians are like the the soldiers or centurions guarding a vault that is empty. Meaning we all enjoy a magic show. And if you don't, you have no soul and I can't help you. But (laughs) 
we all enjoy a magic show. And especially in today's day and age, every single one of us can go online and look and see how a magic trick is done. Even up to how David Copperfield does his illusions, you can actually go into like the patent copyright or trademark records and see the schematics and steps because he has copyright and trademark these things. You can learn how to disappear the Statue of Liberty. But these magicians, but they are able to guard this empty vault because we choose to enjoy the illusion, which I think is beautiful. And I love that. However, it is not functional. It's very dysfunctional to choose to avert our eyes from influence uh, because there's so much power within the realm of, of discovering our communication uh, capabilities. And so um, I went on a bit of a tangent. What was your initial question? <laughs> <laughs> what are the things that parallel between Thank some of you. these extreme situations and, That's and, what it was. and day to day? So you were testing that, me to see if I was paying attention. And I no, that was you. great. That was great. Uh, my bad for losing my track of thought. So <laughs> what I'm saying is that all of these things that I discovered, quote unquote, have been around forever. Um, because we are all trying to connect with and compel human beings. So the through lines amongst all of them are, it's the name of my company. It, the three-step process of influence is observe, connect, influence. So we start with the question, what do I need to know? We pay attention. We observe the person or the people that we are wanting to compel to action. We figure out what are their influential triggers. We figure out what motivates them negatively and positively. We try to align our goal with their goals. Then the second step is to connect. We have to build a certain amount of rapport and trust with the person that we're wanting to influence. If you haven't built connection, you haven't earned the right to influence. This is where most people make the mistake because they want to jump to step three which is influence, but without knowing your marks triggers and without building a connection, you're jumping to influence and now you seem sleazy. Now you're a douchebag. And now all of your techniques are extremely obvious because without that rapport to veil the technique, then people just feel like, I mean, I hate saying this because I think there's amazing used car salesmen out there, but just to go with the stereotype, now you sound like a used car salesman. Mm -hmm. um, so that three-step process of observe, connect, influence, and that holds true for like the military and intelligence officers I, work, or I, I learned from, that even if it is to observe and connect with your actual literal enemy, if it is to observe and connect with somebody who has blown up your friends, uh, observe, connect somebody who has done atrocious things. This also rings true with law enforcement interrogators. The best ones who are able to get a confession in the room are the ones who are able to observe and connect. So there's a lot of ego suspension involved in this process as well. Um, but again, knowing that these people, quite frankly, superheroes in my mind, are able to achieve so much in such strenuous circumstances, there's really no excuse why people like you and I can't do better at a networking meeting or deliver a 10 minute presentation or make a good first impression. So it's all connected, that three-step process. And then of course, obviously there's tiers underneath those three big umbrellas, but that's all you need is observe, connect, influence. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that's probably the secret sauce and it goes a lot deeper than that. But the mm -hmm. exciting thing about that is, and you're going to hear it at the end of this podcast, and that's how I've been ending a lot of the podcasts lately. Is, and it's part of our mission here at, at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa is to uh, connect, develop, and inspire. And, and I always say, mm -hmm. choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. And that that statement of connecting is is multifaceted. And I love how that you've kind of talked about that here, the importance of connecting first 
before you have the authority or the permission to mm. influence somebody. And I think that that's really important. And that's one of the things that I, I believe today more than ever is something that we as a society have really started to struggle with. There is some really cool tools at our disposal to help uh, give us an illusion of connection, an illusion of relationship. And I want you to talk a little bit about that because I was in that blog post that you were talking about. But there's, there's, there's this electronic version of connection that we have right now. And I think we mistake for the most part that that equals relationship. And I think relationship is really like you said, a lost art. And if you don't choose to connect and you don't choose to spend that time and you don't choose to invest what really what it really takes to have a true relationship, and I think a lot of people don't even understand what a real relationship is, I think they are more um, attuned to an acquaintanceship than they are to a relationship um, because there's a lot more power with a relationship when you actually choose to connect. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that because I know you were talking in your blog post about um, kind of the missing part of your your marketing strategy, whether it be uh, trying to sell something, trying to present something, trying to engage people in something. And like you said, it, it's empty words when there's no relationship there. So talk a little bit about that and kind of uh, build upon that, if you will. Sure. So... I mean, we live in a very unique, very fast-paced time. We have the internet, we have social media, and quite frankly, we're all still trying to navigate it. As much as we think we've got a handle on it, most people don't realize how big of a shift this is to the uh, zeitgeist of humanity. Uh, not that long ago, and even I'm going to date myself right now, but there were times when you know, if you dropped off the kids somewhere, you had to coordinate when and where you were going to meet because there were no cell phones to text to triangulate where you were. And mm -hmm. so if you weren't there within that 10 minute time frame, now all hell's broken loose and we got to go searching for you. So that's within my lifetime, not to mention my parents' lifetime and so on and so forth. So the social media world in particular, there's two sides to this coin. There's a phenomenon, a psychological phenomenon known as the frequency effect. The frequency effect basically dictates that the more often we are around somebody, we develop a natural trust of them. In the real world, we can see this in plenty of examples that if I see one person uh, for the first time at an event, I'm going to think, I don't know much about this person. They're probably not going to make it past my reticular activating system. I'm not going to be aware of them. And so they're just lost to the rest of the data that my brain is filtering out. But if I see them again at another event, then I might remember them. Then at another and another, and especially if it's at a trusted event or hosted by somebody that I'm close with, now I have developed a and a, a type of kinship with you, a familiarity with you. And I inherently have slightly more trust in you. This is fantastic thing for us to know as leaders and entrepreneurs is to utilize the frequency effect to specifically go to the events, be at the restaurants, go to the golf clubs, whatever it is of the people that we are wanting to connect with and do business with. Fantastic. The other side of the coin that is new to our world is the illusion that social media brings that, oh, I see somebody in my feed. And so there is a slight variation of the frequency effect in that, that like, oh, I know what's going on in their world. I still am maintaining a semblance of relationship with them because I liked their post and I commented and they liked my comment. That is a fallacy. That is not true. Um, it's better than not seeing them at all, not talking to them at all, and never communicating in any form or fashion. I'll give you that. But that has made us slightly lazy as professionals, human beings, leaders, entrepreneurs, because it means we're not putting in that extra effort to get on a call, to meet up for coffee, to check in and ask about the kids and and dive deeper into what's concerning you right now. How are things going? We assume that things are okay based off of social media and that we have that relationship. So we need, we need to bring this to our conscious awareness to build more relationships, to make it an effort to put it 
quite frankly, in our systems for our computer to help us with the, the technology to remind us like, hey, reach out to so-and-so and just have, whether it's a 90-day cycle, 60, 30-day, whatever works best for you. Because the dividends that you will get from investing in that type of relationship are exponential compared to just what happens on the feed. Then you have a real relationship, then there's real trust, there's real credibility. People are much more likely to make referrals your way. Um, they are much more likely to promote what you need promoting than if you're just a Facebook acquaintance. So there's two sides of that frequency effect coin and you wanna always be able to leverage it to your advantage. Yeah, I'm so glad that you kind of brought that, uh, actually gave a term to it. I, I, had, I hadn't officially heard of the frequency effect, but I, I am definitely going to use that moving forward because I love the idea behind it. And it reinforces a lot of the things that I've learned along in my entrepreneurial and, and business journey. And that is the importance of a face-to-face -face conversation, the importance of taking time to grab coffee with somebody, to pick up the phone. Uh, a lot of my business is built on phone calls. I have some mm -hmm. great websites that you can go online and order whatever you want. But what I found is if I just leave the websites out there and I do nothing, then the business is about 10% of what it could be. The business grows when I have salespeople that go out and engage the customer, ask them uh, how their day is going. I actually have certain days where I tell them, I want you to call people and I don't want you to sell anything. Yeah, I just want you to get to know them. And I, sometimes I get the weirdest looks from them and I'm like, listen, you have to stay in front of somebody. Repetition is recognition in our industry. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is we have to figure out reasons to call people, re reasons to engage them. We have trade shows. That's A trade show is not so that you can necessarily go and check out the coolest, greatest thing. That That's a part of it. But it's really for you to connect with the person that's selling that product and really understand it and build that relationship with them. Um, mm -hmm. That goes so much further. I'm going to take it on the personal side for a second because this is something that um, that I've learned over time too. Um, you don't know this about me. I, I'm horrible at empathy. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better at that side of it because vulnerability and empathy are things that are uh, challenges to me. Um, so I could never relate to anybody. But I felt like I had decent relationships, but I didn't have deep relationships. And one time I was talking to my wife and she told me, uh, hey, you should go to so-and-so's uh, dad's funeral. And I said, why? He's dead. I don't know him. He wasn't, he wasn't a friend of mine, so I don't necessarily know that I would go there for any reason. And she said, well, the funeral is not for him. The funeral is for your family or your friend or whatever else. And it literally like ignited a light bulb for me where I was sitting there going, if I take the time to show them by taking time out of my day to be there for them when they're going through probably a very difficult time. That's how relationships built. And I, I'm not doing it for the purpose of just to build the relationship. I'm just doing it to be there and support them. And it, and it kind of turned this whole empathy relationships uh, kind of uh, idea and it made it real for me. And I said, okay, now I think I understand or I have a better understanding of what this is. Because later on when I, I'm in a situation where I need help or I'm in a situation where I'm going to recommend somebody buy something or whatever else, I have that relationship because I've invested in that person, uh, not for the sole purpose of just to sell something, but I've invested it in a true relationship. And the, the other side of it too is, is not just sales and product and, and influence and all that other stuff. It's There's going to be a time that you need that relationship and that person can give to you and input into you when maybe you're down, maybe you need help. And I think a lot of times, especially as men, we we deal with this idea that we have to be invulnerable. We have to be invincible and we can't let anybody see our weaknesses. And the downside of that is there is no relationship gain. There's no reason for me to have a conversation with you or to reach out to you if your Facebook makes it look like everything's wonderful and every time I talk to you, everything looks great. Um, they're going to think, well, Evan doesn't need my help, so I'm not going to talk to Evan about my challenges because he can't relate. And I think that that is just something that you, you kind of have to work through as a person, as a human being, and to realize that 
that's something on the personal side. That's something on the business side. I mean, we've I've had uh, vendors and I've had customers who have lost family members or lost whatever. And just the simple idea of sending them a card, send them a handwritten card, sending them flowers, sending them just something to say, I see you, I hear you, and I'm here for you. And that just, that connection that you're talking about, that takes that word connect, which, you know, you hear the word connect and you just breeze right past it in most cases. But when you really dig down into the power that the word connect has and the actions that are behind it, it becomes a, it, it becomes a brand new thing for you. Yeah, man, you just laid out so much there. I mean, we could, this could be a really long podcast if we go into all of it. (laughs) But I mean, you laid out the almost, which is now going to be a new blog post that I'm going to do, the conundrum of connection, meaning I think some people hold back on taking steps to connect because they know that they also have an end game. But the thing is, is that connection is always going to lead to some end game of some sort. That's the nature of connection. The more connection you have, the deeper the relationship, the more actions you're going to take with each other because you have a connection that you don't have with others. So I think that people need to be okay. And there can be some compartmentalization, but I think some people don't take those steps for connection because they're like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm doing this for this other purpose that doesn't have to be your intention and be okay with your intention. Know, know that you're doing something just to connect. Um, I think that that's a very fascinating topic. And then also what you described that men tend to experience slightly more than women, although that's a sweeping general statement as well of men feeling that they need to be invulnerable and not show as much vulnerability. Actually one of the best influential skills and the tools that you have at your disposal is vulnerability because when you show some vulnerability and you can be choosy about what you're vulnerable with and not, that's perfectly okay. I don't think that people need to be bleeding on social media every day either. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But when you do show some vulnerability, share a little bit about yourself, the other person feels okay to share a little bit and statistically speaking, even a little bit more than you shared about themselves. Mm -hmm. And as an influencer, if you recall, our first step is to observe. So if we can trigger them to share more with us, that's more influential evidence, more influential tools for us to be able to use to actually enhance that connection to, yes, of course, be more persuasive. But this is ultimately what positive persuasion is all about. It's the dance between you and the person that you want to influence, finding connections, speaking to them at their level, where they're at using language they can process and internalize efficiently and quickly in order to reach a conclusion. How beautiful is that compared to browbeating or being frustrated or beating your head against the wall or you know, having difficult conversations? I mean, if you want to avoid all of that stuff, Turn your focus to influence because this is where all of the answers lie. Yeah, you you hit on a lot there, man. <laughs> well, I've been uh, I've been processing a lot of it lately, and so uh, and actually, the invulnerability part is something that I'm actually working on a presentation for. Uh, basically, the title of it is going to be the unintended consequences. The unintended consequences consequences. I, I got to learn how to say it before I even present it, uh, of invulnerability and just kind of going through the relational side of it, uh, and learn, you can't learn without being vulnerable. You have to be able to accept the fact that you don't know everything and that you need help. And if you're not vulnerable in that situation to put your hand up and ask for that, then learning cannot occur. And the, the challenge with that is, is you, if you think you have all the answers and you think you know everything and you project that, what you're going to find is, 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 is those people that are resistant to change. Those who are resistant to change will find themselves perfectly equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Everything's going to pass them by and they're going to turn around and say, what happened? And part of that was they weren't li- willing to change. They weren't willing to learn and they never sh- uh, were able to receive feedback of perceived weakness or perceived opportunities that they need to change because they were closed minded. And, and you, I don't know if narcissism ties into this a little bit, but I think it's some, 
cases it does because you, what, you're entrenched in your beliefs. What you're describing was perfectly summarized in a masterpiece of a book called uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. Brilliant book. I read it at least once a year. Um, and she outlines the difference between a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And what you're describing as invulnerability is the fixed mindset. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of sympathy for these individuals because they um, view that their actions are a reflection of who they are and their personal worth. So it makes sense that they don't want to branch out or try new things because if I fail, then I am a failure. Mm -hmm. Very different from the growth mindset, which is if I fail, then I will learn and do better next time. They don't attach their, their self-identity to the learning process. And she ties it into parenting and actually the educational system as well. Everybody should read this book hands down. So definitely recommend that one. <laughs> Great. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I wasn't planning on going that far down that that path, but I'm glad that we brought it up because it allows me to kind of bounce some of these ideas off of you. And it sounds like uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm onto something here. And, and really, I think that this is a challenge that a lot of, again, I'm, I'm going to be speaking to men in this, in this instance. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's just one of those things. And, and you hit it on the head. We tie our self-worth to our title. One of the first questions that we ask somebody is, what do you do? And because in that's going yes. to, yeah, that's going to tell me about that's going to tell me a lot about who you are and respect is sometimes pulled from that. Uh, and you, you just, you kind of look at everything that's tied to that and it, it becomes again, that basis of that conversation. But when you're talking about connecting and you're talking about observing, uh, it sounds to me, and you're, you're, uh, you're saying in America, I'm wondering if some of the things that, that you're teaching people to do and everything else is ask a different question ask mm -hmm. what brings them life, ask them, what are their interests? If you had the ability to do whatever, what would it be? So yep. is, is that so, kind of the direction you go? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one of the techniques that uh, I talk about. And basically what you're wanting to do is circumvent social scripts. So we have social scripts that we follow every single day. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good as well. How's the family? Um, weather's crazy today, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's super hot. That's annoying. Where did you fly in from? What do you do for a living? We know these scripts by heart. We do them day in and day out. So that's why whenever I am teaching how to network, I encourage people to look for opportunities to break the script. Mm -hmm. So you can do this in many different ways. You can pull a circumstance or an observation and mention it, whether like I've started conversations when we're at the buffet and talk about like, I don't know, whatever it may be. Uh, oh, are you a dark chocolate or milk chocolate person? Like, and the whole point, and it is awkward, but you just stand in your confidence because you will notice them mentally trip. Their mind trips in front of you and you just give them a second to put themselves together within that split second and then they will engage. But the beautiful thing about it is that they are engaging as their authentic self, not their automated self. Mm. So now they are having to pull from their creativity and engage in this conversation, not be on autopilot. Asking where did for today's event or something event i'll say so what's your story and i'll get a variety of responses to that what's your story to oh i don't know what do you mean do you mean like what do i do for a living or where do i come from and they, that type of personality is looking for clear parameters i understand that i understand where they're coming from i am not going to give them those clear parameters <laughs> uh, I'll say, you know, just share whatever you want, you know, what's your story? And they will come up with something because another influential trigger is politeness, that people will do what is polite much more often than what is not. And just however long they need to catch their footing after that mental trip, then now we're in a conversation because whatever they give back to me, I know that now I can get into the tennis match of this conversation. Um, and then the other type of person, the personality type, that's the other reason why I use this type of uh, 
uh, tool is because it also informs me as to the personality type of the person I'm talking with. So the, our second personality type option is the person that loves it, that they love that you can just see the light in their eyes kind of spark. And they're like, oh, something different. I'm, now I get to play. And then I'll get a response like, well, I was born on a dark and stormy night. <laughs> Great. Now I know a little bit more as to who you are. But simply by choosing to not fall into social scripts, I'm able to much more quickly get to the actual person, not the automation. I love that you brought that up because uh, <clears throat> there was actually a time that I remember talking to people and they asked me how I was and I said, great, awesome, doing, doing well. And every single time I said that, I'm like, you're a liar. You are mm. not great. You're not doing well. And but I was so programmed to do it. I was literally going through a situation that I just put on a happy face and I walked out there. And I think if somebody had asked me a follow up question or had been uh, kind of mm -hmm. gone a little deeper, or broke the script, it would have been a completely uh, different conversation. Part of me believed that they didn't care about that part of it. That was just that program that we all had to go through. And so again, th there was never really a, a true relationship that happened. But the, the people that I can think about, and I'm sure that you think about, that pull that out of you are the people that you probably have a better relationship with, mm -hmm. that you enjoy talking to, that you're drawn to, or you look at in an environment, let's say it's a, a, a social mixer of some kind or whatever, and they seem to always be talking to people, or people are waiting in line to talk to them. And it's because they've broken that social script. And true relationship happens from that and it go, kind of goes back to uh the quote that people don't uh care about what you do they care about how you make them feel mm -hmm. and if that conversation that social uh script breaking allows them to express their true authentic self there is actually endorphins and all sorts of brain chemicals that are being released inside their mind. And they're, they're, they're going, this, this feels good. This is the kind of conversation I want to have. I want to continue having this conversation. Mm -hmm. I get this, uh, th this podcast is somewhat selfish for me because I get to have conversations like this, where I'm going to have a much deeper conversation with a person I probably wouldn't normally talk to. Uh, but then we go much deeper into a conversation than we ever would. And I've, what the audience doesn't know is I've probably talked to you for a solid hour total in our entire relationship so far. Right. And yet we're talking about some really deep, really mm -hmm. cool stuff. And that, that makes it just so much more exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every single podcaster I've ever talked to has said that, um, which is one of the reasons why I've always considered about doing my, a podcast as well. But that's just a time management <laughs> issue. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> it's a commitment for sure. Well, what I want to do is, and we're, we're getting close to time here, so I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. This is something that we do at the end of every podcast. Uh, you you kind of have an understanding of who we are, who the group is, who the audience is. Um, and this is really your opportunity to speak directly to them. What would you say your message is to young business leaders? If you're a young business leader, or quite frankly, it doesn't matter your age. If you're a business leader of any type, it's very likely that you are fairly introspective, especially if you're listening to a podcast like this, that you are wanting to better yourself. You are observant of yourself and your actions and looking for ways to improve. Um, in which case, one of the skills that you want to develop is being able to observe and read other people and build communication flexibility to match various communication styles, find different ways, different angles to approach things, basically learn how to say the same thing in a hundred different ways, because that one variation is going to connect better with the person in front of you. And so to help with that, one of the tools that I've created that I'm more than happy to share with you is called the Mind Reader Blueprint. If you go to mindreaderblueprint.com, you can download this. I think it's a like a 12-page packet. And it's a series of questions that you can continuously go through whenever you're developing that sales pitch or that presentation or just about have a conversation with somebody important. When I talk about observation and asking the question, what do I need to know? This Mind Reader Blueprint is kind of your crash course on that. 
And so download it, you'll get it from me, you'll get some cool ways of how to use it in um, the follow-up email I'll send you. And I'm open. So if you have a question, if you've got a situation, you'll have my email at that point. And I'm always around to listen and help. And you might spark a blog post and I'll write a blog post about your idea and help you out and then help out thousands of other people. So um, yeah, you know, I'm proud of you for listening to this podcast because this is gonna open up so many doors for you, not only professionally, but also as a human being. Um, and so you're, you're starting a pretty cool journey. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. The mindreaderblueprint.com. I know you have your own website too. Uh, go ahead and uh, say it on the podcast, but we'll also share it in the, in the show notes as sure. well. It's the, the main site is observeconnectinfluence.com. And so there you'll see, if you want to hire me as a speaker, you can go to my speaker page, get the demo reel, all that good stuff. Um, that's also where the blog is hosted. So if you want there, I've got hundreds of articles there, just search by keyword and you'll find something. And, uh, and then, so that's observeconnectinfluence.com. And if you want that free download, oh, I don't know if I mentioned it was free, it's free download the mind reader blueprint at mindreaderblueprint.com. Awesome. Cherie, thank you for taking the time to speak directly to our audience. Uh, thank you for connecting. Uh, that yeah. word has definitely a whole new meaning <laughs> for me now because of this conversation. And hopefully that that in inspires our audience to be more intentional with the relationships that they have, uh, the approach that they have in terms of building relationships. Because yes, there is influence that happens because of that. And you're able to affect more, uh, more concisely and um, you're able to communicate more effectively with them. But there's so much more that can come out of that that connection and that conversation. And hopefully this has inspired you to take that step, to step outside of your shell, to get outside of that comfort zone and build better relationships with those around you. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose. <laughs>